Good morning, friends. I want to say welcome to Vernonia Church and our online teaching time. I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Sam, and I'm the pastor here at Vernonia Church. And it's a privilege for me to share with you today as we continue our series about being renewed, how Jesus wants to renew our souls. And in just a few moments, I'm going to talk with you about the subject, Can My Grief Be Healed? And it's going to be a great day. Hey, before we begin, I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you. And so let's pray together. Father in heaven, I just thank you that you are the God who comforts those who are grieving. I thank you, God, that you are a God who ministers to us in our times of loss and suffering and struggle. And God, I pray that through the love of Jesus Christ and through what Christ has done on the cross for us, and through knowing that you are risen from the dead, that you are living in us and always with us, that, God, we never have to grieve alone. God, I pray that you will bless this time as we dive into this teaching. Pray that you will speak to those who are grieving, and I pray that you administer the hearts of those of us who have felt loss. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, Amen. Well, I'm here. It's a little bit of a different setting than normal, and I just figured, hey, I'll run with it. The ladies are having a special ladies retreat today, and uh, and so I just left everything the way it was. So I'm sitting here in a chair trying to make do with the way the stage is made up. And so uh, you might not have noticed, or you might have noticed. So, but that's just what it is. And uh, it, it, I'm excited to dive into this teaching because I know that there are some of you who are really grieving. I know that all of us have felt loss and have felt grieving, and we've all asked the question, can God heal the grief that I'm feeling? Can God really heal me? And I'd like to begin this morning with a story about a barn that sat outside a farmhouse window. This little girl would look out at that barn. It was her favorite barn. It was on her uh, farmhouse, uh, it, it, or it was near her farmhouse. She loved that barn, because out in that barn were some special places, some special memories. In that barn were nooks and crannies where she used to hide and play and explore. In that barn were the horses she loved to ride, and she just, she just really loved that old barn. And, and one of the things that she loved about that barn was that it was her father's pride and joy. Her dad had built that barn. Well, one tragic night that she says she'll never forget, she watched that barn go up in flames. She could hear the screaming of the horses from the flaming barn. Uh, they were uh, they were they were just devastated as their family watched this barn that dad built that this little girl loved burn down. It had been set by arsonists, and it was a real tragic setting. By the time they were able to get control of the fire, the whole barn was gone. Well, that's not the end of the story, though. This little girl said her dad went out there after everything, you know, a fire was gone, damage was all there. He began clearing away the debris, and he began rebuilding the new barn. After he had finished it the second time, it was better than what it was when they began. Uh, the barn, it, it, it was just a, a bigger barn, had had better features to it. The father put things on the barn that he wanted originally but didn't do. This time he built it bigger and better. Well, this morning as we are continuing our series on Be Restored, Be Renewed, we're thinking about how Jesus renews our souls. He remakes us. He wants to renew us. It says in the scriptures that the Lord is my shepherd and he renews my soul. He restores my soul. And we've been talking about how he restores our soul from so many of the things that can damage our souls. We, we've been talking about things like grudges that can really damage our soul. We talked about how Jesus helps us let them go, 
how Jesus helps us forgive and move on and let go of our grudges. And he wants to restore our soul in that way. And last week we talked about how he he restores our souls and he renews us as he helps us get rid of guilt. And he forgives us for our guilt. He encourages us and challenges us to let go of our guilt and give it to him. Let him take it to the cross. Well, this morning we're going to talk about another subject that can really hurt our soul and damage our soul. And it's grief. It's grief that hasn't been healed. Grief that hasn't been dealt with and acknowledged and, and worked through. And we're talking today about grief. And as we do... We're going to talk about how he wants to take us from a barn that was loved and burned down and broken, and he wants to rebuild us into something even greater. Uh, he, wants to, he wants to renew us, and he wants to rebuild us. Grief is a subject. It's a very emotional subject. It's a very personal subject. Uh, we have lots of questions that come when we deal with grief and suffering, questions about God, questions about God's goodness, questions about how could a good God allow me to go through this suffering? How could a good God allow me to struggle like I do? And we're not going to answer today all of those questions, but I know we have them. And there's a lot of myths that have been sort of perpetuated out there. Whenever people are grieving, a lot of times uh, when you're trying to encourage someone to be there for someone, you're trying to think of something to say, and we think of little quips, we think of little sayings, we, we, we think of things that maybe we have heard in a sermon or online or we read or heard somewhere, and we say them. And they're not always things that are true that share truths about God. A lot of times they're what I would call armchair things theology, which is kind of like an armchair uh, an armchair coach, you know, to a football game. Armchair theology is just stuff we adopt and think is true, but isn't necessarily true. Maybe someone was struggling or you were struggling and uh, and you just said God can't be a good God if he allows struggle like this in the world. Well, that's a myth. That that's not necessarily true. Uh, you think, well, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't grieve. Or if you're a Christian, you shouldn't have suffering. And and if you're a good Christian, then then these things wouldn't be happening to you. If you really loved God and had enough faith, you you wouldn't have these problems. You just need to pray. You need to name it and claim it and and just expect what you're asking for uh, as if God were a vending machine that you could throw enough faith into and get what you're after. Or, or we, we think that God caused the suffering and the pain and the brokenness. So we, we say things like, well, God won't cause you to have more than you can handle. Or God caused this in your life because he wants to uh, prove a point. He wants to grow you. Or, or he, he's caused this to help you become stronger. And we say things like that which are not necessarily true. Often they're unbiblical ideas or they're, they're, they're from verses that have been taken out of context to say something they were never intended to say. Uh, I remember one time a guy said, people keep telling me that God will never test me with more than I can handle and uh, and I wish God wouldn't think about me so much. Well, we had a conversation where I just had to remind him that God doesn't cause your suffering. God doesn't cause your pain. Uh, God isn't the cause of suffering and pain in, in your life and in your world. God is a loving, a compassionate, a merciful God, and he doesn't like your pain and suffering. He does want to work in you and be with you and help you through your pain and suffering and your grieving, but he didn't cause it. And he didn't just throw it your way as a test. Uh, th those, are, those are myths that people think when it comes to suffering. I, I remember I had a conversation this last week with a man who 
who was a truck driver, and we just started talking. He started talking about the Lord, found out I was a pastor, and he said, it's so hard to believe in God in a world where so many things go wrong, in a world where there's so much struggle and pain and suffering and, and hardship and war and hurt and all that stuff. It's really hard to believe in God. If God is there, why is all this pain and suffering here? Well, I want to give you a short answer that really deserves to be a long answer because I don't want this sermon, this teaching, this message today to be on that subject. What I want to do is I want to talk about your grief and how God wants to heal you and your grief. I want to talk about how God wants to be with you in your grief. Sorry, I'm trying not to sneeze. But I, I don't want to talk about the theology behind grief and suffering in God. But let me give you just a really quick answer. The quick answer to why they're struggling and suffering and hardship in this world is because this world's not heaven. This world is a world that's broken, that's turned away from God and God's ways. This world is a world where people don't do God's will, where God's will isn't always happening. God's sovereignty is still there, and, and, and at the end of all things, God will still bring about His purposes, even while this world is broken. But this isn't heaven yet. This is earth. This is a place with brokenness, with darkness, with hurts and pains. And God saw this broken world, and that's the whole reason that He came in the person of Jesus Christ. He came to be a light in a dark world. He came to be a physician in a world that needed healing. And he came into a world where, well, where he knew people needed saving. And so he comes in the person of Jesus Christ. He comes to die on a cross, to heal brokenness, to forgive brokenness, and to invite us into a hope of a time and a place we call heaven, a new heaven, a new earth, a time and a place that lasts forever, not just for a few years, a time and a place where there'll be no weeping, no mourning, no death, no destruction, no sin. He invites us to that place forever if we would believe in him, love him, serve him, and, and give him our lives. And he wants to give us a better place, but for now, we're in this place, and he comes to give us hope and to help heal our suffering, to help heal our grieving. In Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 to 3, it says this, The Spirit of the Lord... Actually, this was Jesus reading from the Old Testament in a synagogue in his hometown. Uh, and, and he read Isaiah 61, 1 to 3. The Spirit of the Lord, or sorry, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And then, just a few verses later, in Luke chapter 4, verse 21, Jesus says, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And what Jesus was saying is that I have come to give hope to the brokenhearted, to mend up those who are suffering, who are mourning, who are struggling. I have come to be a savior and to bring good news to the grieving. And God's message to the grieving, well, 
it makes the most difference to us when we're grieving. You might be here right now and you can think of grieving in the past or maybe you carry with you an underlying grieving in your life or maybe you are deeply grieving today. Uh, A message of hope and God's presence and a message of, of God's love and a message of a future where there are no more tears or suffering is a message that means the most to you in those moments. And and the truth is, we all, we all will go through grieving at different levels, at different times, and in different ways. Uh, there's no uh, grieving comes because of change, and and grieving comes because of loss. And there's no growth without change. There's no uh, growth without loss, and, and there's no change that happens without loss. And because, uh, in order to take a hold of the new barn, the old barn has to go away. There's no loss without pain, and uh, and there's no pain without grief. And so. We want to learn how do we let Jesus heal our grief in a healthy way. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I am not a psychologist, a psychiatrist. I'm not a professional counselor. I'm a pastor. But as a pastor, I've become very familiar with grief. I've I've seen a lot of grieving people. I've I've done a, a lot of, uh, I've officiated a lot of memorial services and funerals or whatever you want to call them. (laughs) I've been there for a lot of death and loss and pain. And I've sat in my office and I've, I've talked with a lot of people who have real life struggles, suffering and loss. And, and I've, I've carried my own uh, my own griefs over over the years of ministry and over the years as a as a parent as a as a father as a husband uh, I, I I felt grief just like many of you have felt grief in a lot of ways so I'm familiar with grief and one thing I'm familiar with is that God really truly wants to comfort us in our grieving. Not with platitudes or armchair theologies or, or with, with some you know, catchy phrase or statement. God simply wants to be with you, comfort you, see you through as your shepherd as he restores your soul, as he helps you grieve. Now, unlike the last two subjects where we talked about grudges and guilt, which are bad things, grief, although painful and and although feels like suffering as we're going through it, grief is something God gave us that that could be a good thing. Because grief helps bring about healing when we go through a loss. There, there, are, there is a good grief. We don't mourn as the world mourns we mourn with hope we we don't we don't suffer or struggle as the world suffers and struggles uh, they 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 suffer and struggle in a way that leads to death but we suffer and struggle in a way that that leads to something better we grieve but we need to learn to grieve in a healthy way that allows Jesus presence to help us through our grieving. And uh, here's the thing. I might not have all the answers for grief. Uh, Obviously, 45 minutes of a teaching isn't going to be enough to take away all, all our grief. But, but what I'm hoping is that we can, I can give you some tools, some, some things to think about, some ways to look at things that will help you in your time of grief. In Psalm 31, verse 9, the psalmist says, Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I'm in distress, and my eyes grow weak with sorrow, and my soul and my body with grief. An unprocessed grief undealt with grief or grief that 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 we haven't worked through in a healthy way can really damage our soul and so we might need to pray like that psalmist prayed you know god help me 
in my grief. And so what I want to do is I just want to share with you some thoughts, some some ways that we can allow God's presence into our hearts and into our lives as we go through a grieving process. And, and, and let me just give you some things that maybe if you can, if you're in a place, you might write these down. They might come in handy for later. Uh, I'll, I'll give you the, the first thing, that first idea that I'd like to share with you is this, that uh, we need to realize that all grief is different. We all feel grief in different ways. We all experience grief in, in, in different levels. And what helped you, what related to you with your grief might not help someone else with their grief. It's not always going to be the same. Usually when we think of grief, we think of losing a loved one. And if you've ever lost a loved one or someone who is close to you, whether it was from a tragedy, from an illness, or, or it was just from old age, uh, you have felt grief, but your grief might have been different. You know, I mean, depending on how that person was lost, whether it was by suicide or by a car accident, whether it was a slow process of losing their mind with Alzheimer's or or or, or whatever, the grieving starts at different places and, and it's felt differently. The person who's a caregiver for five years, like a friend of mine, Paul, uh, he he w- he was a caregiver to his wife who had cancer for over five. Five years and, and and his grieving didn't begin when his wife passed away. His grieving began uh, years before that, and he lived this process of slow grieving. And the grieving of a of a parent loses a child suddenly is going to be different, and, and all of us are going to feel different levels of grieving, and 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 so. And not only that, but there's other kinds of of grieving, not just when you lose a loved one. Uh, We go through a grieving process when we make big changes in our lives, sometimes for the better, sometimes for uh, the worse. Uh, Someone might grieve when they lose a job, and depending on how, how much that job meant to them, how important that job meant to them. Uh, There can be a a grieving process that we go through. Someone who retires from a job they loved and, and a career that they had been in, depending on how much that job was their identity, there will be a grieving, suffering, struggling crisis in their life as they go through that that change. Uh, a teenager might go through a grieving process when there's a breakup. And those of you who are older and married will roll your eyes, but for them, that grief that grief is is very real and very strong. Uh, on top of that, you might have a divorced couple, and and there's a grieving process that their hearts go through. There's a grieving process that their children will go through as they as they watch their lives turned upside down and everything is changed. Uh, and, and, and even moving, moving can can be a, a grieving process. Maybe you're moving somewhere better, somewhere exciting, to something new, and you still go through this grieving process as you move away to another place. I remember when I moved from New York to Oregon, uh, we had just had a baby. Uh, three months earlier, my daughter was born. My folks lived a couple miles away from our new house that we had just bought uh, just a few years earlier, and, and, and we were packing up that van, getting ready to leave, and I can remember just feeling like my heart was being torn apart as I was driving out of the driveway in the U-Haul and heading down the highway. We were headed towards something exciting, a new ministry, a new home, a new place that sounded so wonderful, and, and it is wonderful, but 
there was this grieving process I went through and driving through state to state. I could feel as my heart was just grieving when I said goodbye to my parents, when I said goodbye to my friends, when I said goodbye to uh, to the church that I was working at. There was a grieving even though there was something new on the horizon. And as a company grows, there will be a grieving process. As a company grows and employees find themselves having different levels of importance and and uh, business owner or, or business uh, leaders will find themselves grieving as their job changes and shifts. A church can go through a grieving process even as they grow because things change. Things don't feel the same. Things aren't always the same. They go through a grieving process. Even pastors will go through a grieving process regularly. I remember uh, listening to a one pastor who planted a church, and that church went from a small church that met in their home to a church of five, ten thousand. And he talked about how he would, he would, uh, before he got out to preach, he would almost be sick with grief and and crying and emotional. And then he would preach, and then afterwards he would feel the same way, and he didn't even know why necessarily. It was it, everything was seemed to be going good for him as he was reaching all these people, but there was this grieving that was happening as things were just changing so rapidly and and quickly. And we all grieve differently. And don't expect your grief to be like someone else's grief. God made you unique, and your grieving process, it's going to be uh, personal, and we all process our grief differently. But just like guilt that's not dealt with will damage your soul, so too will grief that's not dealt with damage your soul. Grief that goes unprocessed will hurt you just as much as guilt that goes unforgiven or grudges that aren't let go. We need to grieve. We need to go through that process. You might do it differently than I might do it, but we all need to do it. We need to do something. And, and, and when we're doing uh, something about it, don't rush it. Don't try to rush your grief as you process it, but let yourself grieve. Let yourself feel the grief. Let yourself go through the grief. Let yourself, let yourself use that grief as a, as a healing thing. Uh, there are there are two people who truly do understand your grief you and Jesus now, Jesus understands your grief more than you do actually he understands what's in your heart and the hidden parts of your heart that you don't even acknowledge or realize are there and he understands your grief he knows your grief and cares for you and your grief and here's what he says in John 14:18 in John 14, 18, he's speaking to you and me, and he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And if anything, as you go through your grieving process, open the door and just say, come to me, Jesus. Help me in my grief. Help me go through this grief. And that brings me to the next big thought, the next big idea, and it's this, that, that we want to make sure that we turn to God's comfort in our grief. Turn to his comfort. Allow him to come to you. Welcome him to come to you. Let him come to you. And, and, and let him help you. When your grief makes you feel alone and your grief makes you feel overwhelmed, uh, you might be uh, grieving while family and friends are living their lives and you're grieving, turn to Him and invite His comfort. Express your grief to God and, and, and be honest like Job was with his grief. Be honest and open and say, God, I'm grieving. God, I'm hurting. God, come to me and comfort me. Let me tell you about a man named Brian I read about. Brian was 19 years old and very athletic. He was a, 
a gymnast and he was a pole vaulter. He was a freshman at the University of Washington. And even as a freshman, he was already uh, he was already a star, a rising star in the in the athletic world. He was finding himself in uh, in articles and newspapers. He was he was already thinking about things like the Olympics. He was he was already breaking records in pole vaulting and winning NCAA and AAU titles. His team was preparing to go to the Soviet Union on a tour, and he just headed over to the gym for some practice. He began practicing on the trampoline, uh, his trampoline routine. He jumped, and instead of coming down like he had thousands of times on his hands or hands and feet, he actually came down on his neck, and he heard a loud crack. His spinal cord was broken, and he was paralyzed for the rest of his life. For months, he was laying there paralyzed, completely dependent on everybody else to do everything for him. Unable to move his body, he struggled with, with real grief. With nightmares, with terrors, with depression, and a lot of pain. Pain that the meds couldn't entirely take away. While he was in the hospital, a friend would come and visit him, try to tell him about Jesus, and he often would send her away, not wanting to hear anything about it. And one day when she came to visit him, he said to her, You know this Jesus you've been trying to tell me about? Well, I just want to let you know. I finally met him, and I finally came to terms with him. About three months after his accident, he found a new hope in God, and he began a praying. He began praying a prayer that, that he wouldn't stop praying for the rest of his life. Every day, probably 10, 20, 30, probably 100 times a day, probably a thousand times in his lifetime and tens of thousands of times in his lifetime. He prayed a prayer that God would do a miracle and heal him. He prayed and prayed and prayed. His family prayed. Other people prayed. The President of the United States wrote him a letter to encourage him. Uh, football teams prayed and and had moments, uh, and, and the NFL had a moment of silence for him and for his healing. I mean, it was a big deal uh, that Brian was looking for a miracle, and he knew nothing short of a miracle would heal him. At the same time, he knew that faith in God wasn't a transaction. It wasn't a thing that we say, okay, God, well, if you heal me, I'll believe in you. He knew and he believed that God is worthy of faith no matter what God does. God, if you heal me, uh, that'd be great. But God, if you don't, I just want to make sure that, that I know you. That was sort of his attitude. And he just knew that God could heal him, knew that God had the power to heal him. I mean, Jesus rose from the dead and did all kinds of miracles, and, and Jesus is still the same today. He knew God could do it, and so he prayed that if God if God would, would he? He prayed hundreds, thousands of times, and, and about a year later, Brian told a reporter for a magazine, he, he said this, having faith is a necessary step towards one of two things. Being healed is one of them, and peace of mind, if healing doesn't come, is the other. Wow. What faith. What, what, what faith. What, what a turning to God in a time of suffering and struggle and grief. Two things. Healing or peace of mind when healing doesn't come. Well, about 25 years later, being a middle-aged man with gray hair and still a quadriplegic, Brian and his family were still praying the same prayers that they had prayed. And Brian's parents told one author, we believe in a loving God, and we still believe God wants Brian to be whole. We still believe that. Uh, our timing might be off. It looks less and less likely that Brian will have a whole body in this life. And, and Brian ended up dying and 
2013, when he was 69 years old. He lived all those years as a quadriplegic, and today he is with Jesus, and today he is whole again. Philip Yancey, in his book, Where is God?, when it hurts, which, by the way, I really want to recommend if you're at all interested in this subject, if this subject is something that would really mean something to you, or if you know people who are grieving and you want to know uh, a way, a a path, uh, maybe some thoughts to think through some of these things, I really recommend that book, uh, Where is God When It Hurts by Philip Yancey. You can get it on Audible. You can download it on, uh, on, on uh, on Amazon. You can get the downloadable version. You could order it. There. It's not a very expensive book. I really recommend uh, getting it, listening to it, reading it, however you need to do it, because that book is powerful when it comes to this subject. And he tells Brian's story, and he says this, It occurred to me as I listened to Brian and his family talk that a slow, a gradual miracle had taken place. An accident traumatic enough to crack most families apart had instead brought theirs together, and for decades they poured selfless love into their son. Their love had borne fruit, and against their will, Brian's family, all of them, had come to terms with suffering, and I'd add, and with grief. And one time Brian was sharing his testimony with a a group of athletes and he said this. He said, I pray that something like this never happens to you. But if that's what it takes for you to discover God, then I pray it does happen to you. (laughs) Before his death, Brian credited his unusually long life and his good attitude as a quadriplegic to Jesus. Turning to Jesus in our time of grief may take that two-sided kind of prayer. God, take my grief away and take the suffering that's causing my grief away. But God, help me to know your presence even when I have to wait till heaven for healing. What can and God work miracles today? Absolutely. And sometimes God does. But does He heal everyone who asks if they have enough faith? Well, I think sometimes God has different answers. Answers like no and later and not yet. And it's not that God can't heal my suffering, but maybe God is in this process of using the tragedy or the brokenness of the world as a moment, as a time to rebuild something better in us. We all know that God sees all knows all and he knows what's in our hearts and and he knows the reasons for answering his prayers the way he does he never tells us why he healed some and walked by others who who went unhealed he he never tells us why uh, some experience miraculous things and others don't and he never gives us the answer to why on those things and so for us to try to give the why it, it's hard for us to say because he's all knowing and he's sovereign he knows all and, and what's more important is simply this he does tell us that he will be with us in all things That he will be there for us as we go through all things. And when you feel alone and and, and you feel overwhelmed in your grief, turn to the Psalms in the Bible. Spend some time reading from his word and, and, and looking at what the psalmist said as they poured out their hearts to God. You know, it said that two thirds of the Psalms were Psalms of lament, Psalms of pouring out their heart to God, songs of, uh, of God, I'm grieving and I, I need you and I need to hear from you. And, and so, like Psalm 119, 28, it says this, I weep with sorrow, encourage me by your word. And, and just turning to the Psalms is a great way to let God encourage you by his word. Use those Psalms and pray through them. Make them your own song, your own prayer as you as you cry out to God 
in your grief. I remember a season where I was really grieving, and it lasted for a long time. Uh, I, 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 I think on occasion I can suffer from letting my grief move into a slight depression. And I remember going to the Psalms and just praying through the Psalms and letting those Psalms help pull me out and pull me to a place where, where I could know God's presence in my grief. And Jesus is familiar with grief. In Isaiah 53 verse 3 it says this, he was despised and he was rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. In other words, Jesus is telling us, listen, I understand your grief. I know your grief. I've been through what's grieving you. I've suffered. I've struggled. I've been rejected. I've gone through it all. In fact, there's probably not a human experience that we could list and say, God, you don't understand me. Because he does. He did go through all that. And, and we want, we need to understand that, that Jesus grieved. And that means you you can grieve too. In fact, the Bible tells us there's a time for it. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 4, it says there's a time to cry and a time to laugh. And there's a time to grieve and a time to dance. It's not always time to laugh and time to dance. Sometimes it's time to grieve. And to just let yourself go through that grieving process. But as you do it, make sure you invite God to help you through. The next one is this. You might write this down. Number three, accept your loss, but accept it with hope. The difference between a Christian and the people of the world is that we grieve. We, we all grieve. But we grieve with an underlying hope. We grieve with a hope that there's something better on the other side of our grief. We don't grieve as hopeless people. In fact, in the first less first sorry, in fact, in First Thessalonians chapter four, verse thirteen, the apostle Paul is teaching the church that that we grieve differently, especially when it comes to losing a loved one or a friend, or a church member, someone who believes in Jesus, we grieve differently when we, when we grieve. He says this way, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so that you will not grieve as people who have no hope. You see, we, we, we need to grieve as people who have hope. It doesn't take our grief away. But we grieve with an underlying hope. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 14 to 18, he continues on. He says this, For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First the believers who have died will rise up from their graves and then together with them we who are still alive remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. And here's the thing, no matter, no matter what it is that we're grieving from, whether it's loss of a loved one or loss of a job or loss of a relationship or loss in a divorce or, or loss that comes from change or growth, we grieve, but we grieve with an underlying hope. We, we grieve with a hope that starts grieving with an acceptance of the loss but an understanding that there's something better in the future. And an understanding that, that even if that future is heaven, it's still an eternal future that's better. There comes a time in our grieving where we have to define the reality of our situation instead of wishing 
our situation hadn't changed. You may have heard the story of Joni, similar to the story of Brian, or sorry, Johnny, similar to the story of Brian. Uh, Johnny was a 17-year-old teenager uh, swimming with her sister on the shore of Chesapeake Bay. Uh, together they swam out on a floating raft offshore from the beach and they were playing around the raft and Johnny climbed up on the raft and dove off the raft. Uh, Johnny describes her experience saying that her head smashed into a rock on the bottom and instantly she felt this loud noise, this buzzing all over her body like she'd been electrocuted and she lost all control of her body. Laying there with her face in the sand and on the rocks, her sister ended up rescuing her from the bottom, swimming her to the shore. And when Johnny got to the shore, she realized she had no control over her body. She couldn't move. After ambulance rides, emergency medical procedures, and about four weeks in the hospital, the doctor came to her and told her that, uh, well, that she would be in that condition for the rest of her life. That this had affected her and and ruined her situation, and, 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 and she would be a quadriplegic for the rest of her life. Well, Johnny was really upset. Uh, one time a friend had come to, uh, to try to encourage her, and she just, well, she begged that friend to help her die. She asked her friend to give her pills. Uh, she asked her friend to give her a razor blade, give her something so that she could die because she didn't want to live in this shell of a body at the time. Uh, a friend uh, had come and given her a mirror and for the first time she was able to see herself and she just got so upset uh, she got mad saying god how could you do this to me she thought about all the things that she would never do again the normal activities of a teenager who was really active in school and school sports who was really active uh, and and riding horses and enjoying the farm life and she thought how could could all this change and god uh, she was just so angry god she was so mad and uh, during her days in the hospital, um, well, she started to struggle with bitterness. A friend had come to her and said, well, uh, the Bible says that Jesus came to give us life and to give it in all its fullness. And Johnny said that she almost took that as mockery. And she got mad. I'm having trouble with this. <laughs> uh, and she she got mad about it. Uh, she she got upset. How could how could she live a full life when what now feels like she's just going to live a half life? She'd never be able to play tennis again. Maybe she wouldn't be able to date again or get married. Which, by the way, she did later. Uh, she she'd never be able the marriage thing. She'd never be able to make a real contribution to the world. But if you know her story, which some of you might, uh, you'd know that she made an incredible and is making an incredible contribution to the world um, but she was bitter and cynical and angry and then um, she said over the years her outlook changed uh, she started to turn to God she started to reconcile her situation how could she be in this situation and know a loving God and her attitude started to change and she said she'll never forget when a friend came Another friend came to visit her and said, you know, Jesus understands you. Jesus was paralyzed too. And she said, what do you mean Jesus was paralyzed? Well, uh, when Jesus was hung on the cross, they put nails through his wrists and through his feet, and he was paralyzed. He was unable to control his body, and and he understands what it means to be paralyzed. And he, he did that to die for us and to die for our sins. And, and uh, wow, she just started to think about how, 
how Jesus did that in order to forgive us and give us grace. And it really helped to change her. And today, she's somebody who's grateful for the people who love and care for her. And, and she's grateful for the years that God has given her. And she wakes up every day saying, God, I'm grateful to be alive today. And God has proven to her and proven to many others through her that going through struggle and suffering and grieving, it's possible to do that and uh, and still believe in God's love. God has proven me to me, she said, that I really can have a full life. And she has. Uh, she started uh, Johnny and Friends uh, ministry to those who are hurting and those who are who are struggling and grieving and, and, and suffering. Uh, she's become a, a famous singer, a famous painter, and a very famous speaker and author. Uh, Johnny's done a lot for the kingdom of God. Uh, it took her years and years to reconcile her belief in God with her condition. And at one point, uh, at one point, she just started to make a change where she would beam with life and a positive attitude, and and have she has enthusiasm, and she started to do all these wonderful things in the name of the Lord. And uh, today, she moves around in a mobilized wheelchair, and she said this. Uh, I recently heard her say this on a. Uh, I looked her up on. Uh, 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 just I googled her name, Johnny Erickson Tata, and watched a bunch of videos. You might do that if you'd find that encouraging. Uh, just watched a bunch of the things that she had to say. And one of the things that she had to say that struck me was this. I'd rather be in this wheelchair knowing him than on my feet without him. And that's worth living for. And there comes a point in our grieving and our grieving process where we accept our reality. And, and we, we, we go from through the process of being angry and frustrated and hurt to a place where we just say, this is my new reality. And God, where do we go from here? There's no blaming God for it. There's no anger at God for it. There's no wishing it was different. It's just, this is where we are. And God, will you meet me and comfort me here? When someone you love dies... Go to their funeral. Go to that service. It helps kind of, uh, it helps us. It's not a service that we do for the person who passed away. The service is more for the people who are there to remember them. And it helps us go through this process of accepting the reality and, and making m making a move forward. Uh, when When you have a health loss, it helps to accept the situation. Uh, pray, but at the same time, face your reality. When you go through a, a tragedy and suffering strikes, face the reality of the situation. Pray, invite God in. Ask for a miracle, but at the same time, ask for God's presence and peace. Ask for God's will, because that's most important. Accept the loss, acknowledge the suffering, but maintain hope. That no matter what happens, no matter what happens, Jesus died and rose from the dead. And Jesus promises us a life in heaven and a place where there's no suffering or pain. Remember that the loss of this world is only temporary. From Genesis to Revelation, the first and last books of Scripture, God tells a story of how he redeems us, of how he wants to give us hope in a world with grief. In Revelation chapter 21 verse 4 to 5 it says this, we will or he Jesus will wipe wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting at the throne said, "But look, I'm making everything new." And then he said to me, "Write this down. For what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And so we and so we accept the reality, but we accept it with a hope. And we avoid number 4, we avoid denying our grief. 
You see, denying our grief, unprocessed grief, is really what damages us the most. It's not the grief itself. It's it's when we try to hold on to that grief, when we bottle up our emotions or we stuff it down, or we reject the feelings of grief or anger or hurt. It, we we don't we don't. We don't want to take a shortcut around our grief. You know, I've watched a lot of people go through a grieving process where they tried to sidestep their grief. And often that brings more damage to their life and their soul. Uh, Often trying to go through uh, grief uh, and avoid it, trying to to uh, stuff it down or trying to sidestep it will bring us to a place where we experience more grief that leads to depression and bitterness and more pain and more suffering and often loneliness because we end up pushing people that, uh, well, we need away. And instead of moving around your grief, here's the answer. Go through it. Go through your grief. Let it happen. Go through your grief. Move through it and know that God is with you as you go through this dark valley, as you go through this place of grief. Sometimes grieving, it will be a very personal thing. And there will be a time where you go to God in your grief and you go to him in prayer. And, and other times it's helpful to to bring others in and to ask someone else to help you and connect with someone else as you go through your grief. And if you're someone who has been reached out to and asked to share in grief, I want to remind you of Romans chapter 12, verse 15. It says this, Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those those who weep. That's one of our jobs as brothers and sisters in Christ is to to rejoice with those who rejoice and and to mourn with those who mourn. And don't when you're tempted and someone is grieving, when you're tempted to just always try to laugh and cheer everybody up, remember that's not necessarily your job. Sometimes your job is to mourn, to sit by their side, to to cry tears alongside of and with instead of avoiding it and, and instead of trying to sidestep it. Sometimes we don't know how to grieve. We, we just think, oh, we, we, we live in a world that would rather not feel any pain or grief at all. Uh, what do we do with pain? We get a headache, we throw a few aspirin in, you know, we we go through a surgery, we use um, anesthetics to take away the pain. We, we do whatever, uh, whatever we can to avoid pain. And we do the same thing emotionally. And so when someone comes to us and they're in pain, uh, we just want to, you know, escape it ourselves. But sometimes we need to come close to the brokenhearted. And when we go through it, we also need to invite Jesus to come through it with us. In Psalm 34, 18, it says this, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescued those whose spirits are crushed. God wants you to experience full life. Life with Him. Life where He's with you and in you. And I want you to remember to go through your grief. But go through it with hope. Go through it. Allow yourself to feel sadness and anger. Allow yourself to feel uh, and to go through the, the suffering and the grieving process because there is a hope on the other side of it. There is a healing that happens. There is something that God will do as you go through it. And we continue to hope as we go through it. We continue to grief. But I want to also remind you to make sure as you grieve, you remember that the timing is yours. That some people will tell you you're taking too long and maybe you're not. You know, maybe maybe you're taking how long it needs for you. Some people will tell you uh, that, uh, that you haven't grieved enough and maybe you have because it's different for all of us, remember? But I do want you to actually consider 
or get curious when people are telling you maybe it's time to move on. Uh, when people start telling you that, maybe you need to think about, you know, am, am I allowing my grief to transform into something more? Is it taking me to a place of depression? Is it taking me to a place where it's uh, continuing to hurt my soul too much? Am I in a place where it is time to say, Jesus, I'm moving through this grief and and you're close to me and it's time for me to move forward? And moving forward brings us to number five. Finally, allow yourself to make an adjustment in your grief. Make an adjustment. Take the emotional energy that you spent grieving and mourning and the emotional energy that you spent in loss and just turn that around and reinvest it. Reinvest it in new relationships, new friendships, reinvest it in a new adventure, uh, reinvest it uh, and, and reinvest it in a way that helps your hurts the most. Uh, avoid withdrawing from the world. Avoid running away from your grief. Remember, run through or go through it. Uh, but as you go through it, make some adjustments that will help you heal. Often, someone who is just immersed in caregiving, and when their when their loved one passes away, they aren't sure what to do next. And 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 once you go through this period of grieving, it might be time to reinvest in friendships. Reinvest invest in some old friends, reconnect with some old friends. You don't have to start going to parties filled with people. You might not want to be around a lot of people, but how about you just go out to coffee with an old friend or maybe reinvest your time into kids and grandkids and reconnect and don't hurry the adjustment. Just, just make some small moves. Remember, there's no set time limit for your grief, but you do want to make sure that, uh, that, that you are moving through it and moving forward. And I do want to give you a big don't, uh, because uh, because this this point can be misconstrued. There's a big don't that almost every expert in this area will tell you, and it's this: try to avoid making big moves that will bring about more stress and more grief for the next year after suffering a tragedy or a loss. Take a year before you make a big decision that's going to bring more stress. And what brings more stress? Well, big decisions and big changes and and big things that bring about loss. Like, how about like this, uh, moving uh, to a new home or selling a home or, or, or making a big financial decision or starting a big relationship or going through a big change in some way. I, I would take at least a year before uh, you make any really big changes to your life. That's advice that I give whenever I'm, uh, whenever I'm having pastoral conversations with people in the church. And that's advice you'll hear from experts in this area over and over and over again. And I can't tell you how many times people haven't taken that advice and then wish they did because they realize that they made a choice or a decision that just brought about even more stress. And so so, so start adjusting, but take it slow and, and do, it, do it in small steps. Well, I began this morning with a story about a barn that set on fire outside the window of a old farmhouse. And later I told you the story of Johnny Erickson Tata, uh, who was actually, she's very famous today for what she's done. And Johnny actually was that teen, that little girl that had that house burned down outside her farmhouse window. And she talks about that old farmhouse, that old barn at her farmhouse with fondness, that she loved that place. And here's something interesting that she said about that old barn. She said, I'm like that old barn that burned down and my dad rebuilt better. I thought my life had been crushed beyond repair, but with the help of God and my friends, it's been rebuilt. And now, can you understand why I'm so happy? I've recovered what I thought 
would always elude me in life. I have found life in all its fullness. If you're going through grieving right now, I know your grieving is different than Johnny's. I know your grieving is different than Brian and his family's. And I know your grief is different than mine. But here's the thing. God can heal you. We also began with a question. Can God heal my grief? The answer is absolutely he can. And he wants to. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 to 4, the Apostle Paul says this, All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He wants to comfort you in your grief. And He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. And someone like Johnny has comforted so many others that have gone through the grief that she went through. And the answer is God can restore you and comfort you in your grief. Someday God might even be using you to comfort others in theirs. Can God heal my grief? Absolutely. Does God want to heal my grief? Absolutely. Does, want to, does he want to give me hope in my suffering? Absolutely. That's why he came and died on a cross to give us that hope. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, I just thank you for your words of hope and for your words of help and for your words of comfort as we deal with grief. God, I pray that you will bless each one who's joining us here. Pray that you will encourage them, and love them, and help them through the things that are bringing grief into their hearts and lives. And God, I just pray your blessing. I do pray for miracles. I pray for healing and I pray that you will help each one with their situation. And I also pray, Father, more importantly, I pray for your presence in our struggles and grief. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to say thank you for joining me this morning as we're continuing this series on how Jesus renews us. Be renewed. He wants to renew you. And I want to invite you to come back next week as we continue this series, continue to talk about how he renews us. And I just hope that God has been blessing you as we've been going through it, that he's been ministering to you. I want to invite you to finish up with me as we declare it's been a great day. I know we've been talking about grief, but man, we've been talking about hope and grief. And it has been great being in God's word together. And it has been great. Uh, it has been great just diving in to the hope that he offers us in our struggle. Let's, let's just declare it's been a great day. You ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. It's been a great day. I hope you have a great day. And I look forward to seeing you next Sunday.